Welcome back to more Money Minutes for Doctors, where we're going to talk about doctors and their risk tolerance when it comes to investing. Catherine Vesnes here. I'm the CEO and founder of MD Financial Advisors, your host for today on a very, very important topic. So how do you know that you're taking the right amount of risks in your investment portfolio? Now, this is a really common topic among our clients. As we all know, the right amount of risk for you today can actually change your future, both good and bad. So we want to make sure that we do it very carefully. And today we're going to cover some of the ways that we actually assess a doctor's risk tolerance. Now, for further questions, or if there's something you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please reach out to us at info at mdfinancialadvisors.com. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media at MD Financial Advisors, and that way you won't miss an episode. Now, if you've been listening to our podcast, you know that I believe a better educated client is a better client. And so we really want to educate our clients in everything that we talk about. And let's start right now with the difference between stocks and bonds in investment portfolios, because it's the ratio of stocks to bonds that determines your risk tolerance when you're investing. So the cliff notes, and many of you already know this, is that stocks, of course, is ownership in a company. In general, they tend to be riskier, which means, yes, we have higher gains over time, but we also can have higher risk or actually higher losses. Now, bonds, as you know, is when we loan a company or a government money, they tend to, tend to be less risky, meaning lower risk, lower returns, and more, a more steady return. Now, obviously, there are exceptions to this. You can get bonds that are far riskier than stocks, but in general, as I said, stocks are more risky than bonds. So what we want to look at is a ratio in your portfolio, the stock to bond ratio, because that's going to determine how much risk you're taking. And this is gonna be a very important step when it comes to managing your money. So let's run through some of the questions that help us work with a client to select that correct investment model and risk level. So one of the key issues is how soon do you plan on retiring? So for younger doctors who've got many, many decades until they retire, the general thought in the industry is that they can take more risk, meaning more stocks and less, and less bonds. And the reason is they've got plenty of time to weather the storms and recover during market downfalls. The market highs are actually great for quickly growing the portfolio. And as I said, but if the market falls and it will, then they've got plenty of time to rebuild that wealth before retirement. Now, what happens though, if you're just a few years away from retirement? In that case, we need to be thinking more in terms of preserving wealth rather than building wealth. And when we're preserving wealth, we typically don't take as much risk. So in the industry, they've done a lot of research on what's a good risk ratio for people in retirement. And the general thought is 60% bonds, 40% stocks. In fact, I read an article some years ago that Warren Buffett told his wife at his death, put everything in 60-40, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. Now, I found early on, though, that the typical industry thoughts process on risk tolerance had 
very little relationship to our clients. So in the industry, the thought is the younger you are, the more risk you can take. You know, if you're in your early 30s, you might be able to tolerate a portfolio that's got 80 or 90% or more in stocks. On the other hand, if you're 50, 60 or beyond, you may want a portfolio that's closer to maybe 50-50, half stocks and half bonds. But I started noticing when we focused our practice 10 years ago this month, when we started focusing our practice just on doctors, that doctors did not fit the usual portfolio. Now, I was getting some 60, 70, 80-year-old doctors and clients that if, they, if I would let them, they would be doing 100% stocks. And I'm like, this is crazy. We should be preserving wealth at this stage. We don't have to worry about building wealth, and that's really too risky for you. And I try to talk them down. And it was very interesting because their FOMO, their fear of missing out, was actually overriding their common sense. And I thought they were just taking way too much risk. And to be frank, I couldn't sleep at night. So it was very important to my personal sleep schedule to make sure that we could back down their risk. Now, at the same time, I was getting these very young doctors. They were in their early 30s. Like I said, in the industry, we'd be expecting them to do a 70, 80, or even 90% portfolio of stocks. And they were choosing a portfolio that might be half stocks and half bonds, or 60% stocks, 40% bonds. And one day I just couldn't stand it anymore. And I asked this doc, I said, tell me why are you choosing this portfolio that you know is, is not that risky? And she said something very interesting to me that actually changed how I looked at this. And she said, well, Catherine, we don't have much money. And so it's very important for us to keep what we have. And that just took the blinders off for me. And I came to see over time that most of our younger doctors actually needed to start out with a more conservative portfolio. And once we got them up to a good foundation that varied from client to client, it might be 250,000, it might be 500,000 or whatever in investments then we could take more risk with some of their assets. And that made total sense. And as a result, we approach how we come to this number with our clients much different than other financial advisors. So for instance, in the industry, it's very common for clients to take a risk tolerance test. Now I have to tell you, I find these tests quite bogus and uh, maybe we get the placebo effect there. The reason I think they're so bogus is there's no scientific evidence that these assessments actually line up with how much risk a client can actually take. So I think it gives the, an advisor a false sense of security that if they test X on the, on the um, test, then they can have a portfolio that lines up with X. We don't do it that way. I literally will show clients different portfolios we we'll may start with a 60-40, we may look at a 70-30, and I'll show them what it looks like over history. I'm going to show them the worst downturns. I'm going to show them 08. I'm going to show them COVID in March of 2020. I took a deep breath and I said, how does this feel to you? Are you going to be calling me in the middle of the night because you're so worried about your investments? Or are you going to ignore it and just go on with your day? That to me is the most telling part and the best way to really determine someone's risk tolerance. So in general, I want you to think you don't want to be at risk of FOMO, fear of missing out, because that's going to have you taking too much risk. Once again, higher risk, 
maybe we're going to get a higher return. We should over time, but there's also a huge risk of losing money. Now, if you're thinking about those riskier investments, the ones that aren't so regulated, like hedge funds, private placements, startups, bitcoins, whatever that may be, you only want to take that kind of risk when you're older and you have all of your retirement money situated and in great shape. So in other words, whether you invested 50,000 in a hedge fund, a private placement, Bitcoins, whatever it is, you know that you could lose all 50,000 and it's not going to impact your retirement at all. So once again, once we get that solid foundation, then you can have some money that you can take more risk with. So I'm personally a big believer in getting rich slowly and surely, as opposed to trying to get rich quickly. Almost always those schemes fail. Now, another question we like to ask clients is how much do the market fluctuations stress you out? Now, most of our clients go, what market fluctuations? You know, they're not even paying any attention. I go, yes, that's exactly right. Not to worry because when we meet, we're gonna tell you about them. You don't have to stress about it in the meantime. And that's because our overall goal, as you know, is to provide doctors more time, more money and less stress. And this is only gonna work for our clients if they're not kept up at night worrying about stock market fluctuations, right? That seems way too stressful for me. So if we're finding that your investments or uh, your particular risk tolerance at this stage is stressing you out, then probably we should revisit things and look at a lower risk model, meaning more bonds. Uh, this way, even if the market is down, yes, you can still lose money, but the, your losses will be less. And for those great clients that never watch the market, that's great because they don't even know if the market's up or down. And for these kind of clients, frankly, I usually suggest a riskier model. Um, and it's just pointless to watch this every single day. I do have some clients who look at it every day. You need to understand, I don't look at my own portfolio every day. Uh, why? It's just absolutely pointless. I think about driving up to my house, when I drive into my garage, there is no sign on my garage that goes, Catherine, your house went up in value 3.5% today, or Catherine, your value in your house went down 8%. But really that's happening because the different houses in my neighborhood are being bought and sold. It's impacting the value of my house. And the reason is I don't have to look at it. Nobody's telling me what the value of my house is every day. And I'm not planning to sell anyway. So I think this is a great attitude to take towards your investment portfolio. Think about it as the long term. Even if you're 60 or you're 70, it's still a long term investment because you're likely to need this money till you're 95. So once again, take, take the long view. Now, are you a risk taker in other parts of your life? Another question we wanna know about clients. When we find clients that take risks in other parts of their life, we find that very often they're comfortable taking risks with their investments too. So it's another area that we look at. And I wanna to talk to you too about some ways to manage investment risk. So obviously an emergency fund, the bigger the emergency fund, the bigger we've got with liquid assets that you can get at at any time. I feel like you can take more risk with other investments. On the other hand, if you don't have much of an emergency fund, then we probably shouldn't be taking a lot of risk with investments because you may need the investments for your emergency. And we don't want your emergency to coincide with a market downturn because obviously there'll be less there to take out. 
Um, another way to manage risk is with a home equity line of credit. So you may not access it, but it can be like an additional emergency fund if you need to use it. And very often I suggest clients get one. They may never touch it, so it doesn't cost them anything. And then if they need to pull money out of their investments when the market's down, we could actually instead borrow from the home equity line of credit, wait for the investments to return, and then use the investments at a later point to pay off the home equity line of credit. Now, when it comes to Roth assets, this could be your Roth 401k or 403b at work, or your Roth IRA. This is an area where if you can, I would suggest higher risk levels here. The reason is that money goes in after tax. We want to pull it out in the future tax-free. We hope this $10,000 investment goes to the moon and it grows to 100,000 or 200,000 or more. And then you can pull all 200,000 out tax-free. So very often you're not going to be looking at Roth assets for 20, 30, 40 years or more. They're just going to be percolating along. So that might be an area where you could take more risk. Whereas your brokerage accounts, more liquid money that you might need as a backup, backup emergency fund, the risk on those accounts might depend upon how soon do you need the money. So when we have a client who needs the money in a short term, by that I mean one to eight years, let's say, maybe it's looking for a wedding or a new car purchase or something like that, we very often invest those funds 25 75, meaning 25% stocks, 75% bonds. And there we're just looking for a return that's going to beat the bank. Historically, it's probably done three or four, sometimes even last year, I think it was like five or 6%. I never tell clients to expect that. All we're hoping for is historically over time, beat the bank. So if we can get anything over 1% on average with those accounts, I feel like we're ahead of the game. And then we also need to look at an issue that we talked about earlier. Are we building wealth or are we preserving wealth? Building wealth, obviously, we want to take more risk. Preserving wealth, we want to downplay the risk so that we can keep what we worked so hard to accumulate. So in conclusion, uh, as we mentioned earlier, the right risk model for you is likely to change as things change in your life. Uh, as you have more commitments, as you get older, as you have other investments. And so it's something we like to look at annually with our clients. And you should be doing this with your financial advisor periodically. Now, I will tell you, I, clients will frequently ask me, well, Catherine, what do you think we should do? I never want to answer that question because I don't want to put my tolerance for risk, which is pretty darn high, onto a client. So this very much needs to be your decision. Another thing to think about is I don't change this just because the market's going up or down. So a year ago in March when we had COVID, market tanked, I had a couple of clients come to me and go, do you think we should reduce our risk tolerance? And my conversation with them is always the same. We're not going to do it in response to the market today because that's like timing the market. We know from evidence-based financial investing and research that that doesn't work. So if we're going to reduce it, we're going to have to reduce it for a couple of years. Are you comfortable with that? By and large, they all stuck with it and they're really glad they did because those portfolios recovered in just a matter of a few months. So if you're going to be changing your risk tolerance, think in terms of keeping it that way for a couple of years. And then finally, when it comes to retirement, what we like to do is something called a glide path. 
That means a few years before retirement, we start downgrading the risk. So maybe you've been at 70-30, maybe we're five years out from retirement, we might go 60-40 for a couple of years, then around retirement, we might do 50-50. And then the studies actually show as you get towards the end of retirement, you can take more risk. So at that point, we might up the risk again to, as we get towards the end of your life. If you're a current MD Financial client and you'd like to discuss your risk profile, please do not hesitate to reach out and we'll go over it with you again. Make sure it's still a good fit. So in closing, please follow us on social media. And if you found this helpful, please forward it to your colleagues because they could probably use the help too. Do send us your questions and topics for future issues. And finally, you can always reach out to us directly for a second opinion on your financial health. And you can do that by emailing us at info at mdfinancialadvisors.com. Please stay healthy and prosper.